So, happy Father's Day. Uh, my wife is uh, out of town taking the boys to camp, so I'm on my own for this Father's Day. I don't think I could ask for a better gift. <laughs> Love you, fam. Whatever, they ain't never going to watch this anyway. Um, <laughs> uh, also, happy Juneteenth, as uh, we mark uh, celebrate uh, also today the end of chattel slavery uh, here in the country, and uh, so to all uh, that as well. Uh, now, the last few weeks, we have uh, been talking about the gap that exists in our life uh, between our beliefs and our behavior. Uh, that is, that all of us experience that I know I should, but I don't, or I know I shouldn't, but I do uh, moments. And we've been looking at a section uh, in one of Paul's letters, uh, his letter uh, to Rome, uh, that remains somewhat of a mystery uh, to quite a few Christians. And there's this thing that Paul does in his letters that is a fairly interesting thing, that is you go back and you look at the pattern that runs through his writings. Uh, the first half of his letters seem to be real thick in theology and saying a lot of things that just reading on the surface don't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, you come across a lot of phrases like in him, through him, Christ in me, a lot of weird stuff that uh, we just kind of tend to read past to get to the second part of the letters. Um, because that's where he starts getting more practical. Uh, these are the things you should do, shouldn't do. Here's how you should behave, follow in Jesus, um, that kind of stuff. And so um, that's what most of us consider the good stuff and where we tend to pay attention in Paul's letters. Uh, you know, he tells us what to think about, how to treat people, uh, what to avoid. Um, but even though those are the good parts that we understand without having to think a lot about it, we don't do those things because those things are difficult. Uh, they're hard to actually do. But that's okay, because in the way most of us have been raised in our religious faith or whatever, it's okay, because every night we can just ask God, forgive me of all my sins, right? And so then he wipes all those things away, and, you know, ah, there we go. And I know that, you know, and I know what sins are. You know what sins are. Most of us grew up going to church where they told us every week exactly what the sins were uh, and how we were guilty uh, of them. And, and, you know, and the, the kind of... The way a whole lot of religions works is, well, this is what you're doing wrong, and God will empty all those sins out of your, uh, your sin bucket that you carry around with you, and then we can just go out the next day and kind of fill it back up, and then ask for forgiveness again, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, and then one day we go to heaven. And that's kind of the religious experience for most people, and Paul's like, no, 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 no. That's only a part of it. In fact, that is a very small part of it. Because sin doesn't control where you go uh, when you die. And sin doesn't have to control how you live now on earth while you're still alive in this life. And Paul tells us, listen, you are not the person that you used to be. And you don't need to live the way that you used to live. When you put your faith in Christ, you become a brand new person. So in week one of this series, um, we looked at Paul's explanation of the problem. Basically, you're all ungodly sinners. Um, and then we began to look last week at Paul's solution uh, to that problem. So like we have the past two weeks, I want to read his explanation, his description of his struggle uh, with this gap, and then we'll continue looking at the solution today. Uh, and these verses are something we can all identify with uh, always. So here we go. Romans chapter 7, Paul states the problem, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Don't amen too loud. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. 
For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, this is your experience, isn't it? Don't lie in church. This is your experience, isn't it? It's my experience. This is the struggle that I have, right? Why don't we just not do the things we're not supposed to do? Undoubtedly, you have a theory. Paul gives us his theory. Here, here, here's his. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. In other words, he's saying, look, you may, you may not buy this, but listen, I've been with Matthew. I've been with Mark. I've been with John, I've met Mary, Jesus's mother, spent time with her, I've heard all of the teachings. All I need you to understand, you would say, is that there is an explanation that exists for the gap in your life between your behavior and your belief, and there's a solution. As we talked about the first week, we're all born kind of into this sin default setting, right? As a, as a result of Adam introducing sin to the world, we're all kind of born into that. But, but here's the thing. You don't have to teach anybody to sin. You don't have to teach people to do the wrong thing. It's amazing how naturally kids pick up doing the wrong thing. <laughs> what, what do you got to teach it? You got to teach the right thing. That's the non-natural setting, right? Which if you think about it, what, what is happening is that Paul argues that we're essentially not good people who do bad things, that, that we're really more bad people who do occasionally do good things. As Paul's saying, that's more the perspective of what's kind of happening within our life, which kind of makes a little sense because you can understand why a bad person might do some good things every once in a while because even good things could benefit the bad person. But why would good people do bad things? It's kind of this weird dynamic, right? And Paul says, yeah, that's what we're talking about. This whole thing called sin. That's what this is about. And then he goes on and he says this, says that when you become a Christian, when you take that step, you're taking out of what Adam introduced into the world and you're placed in to what Christ did. So what's true of Christ is now true of you. That's why you're forgiven. That's why you're acceptable to God. You've found yourselves in right standing. You can live free from the power of sin because when Christ died, the power of sin was broken. And now that might not any make any much sense on its own, but if you missed last week, that's what we talked about. So go back and, and listen to that. It'll make, it'll make an idea. But we left with the big idea last week. Sin is not my master. Did any of you actually say that to yourself this week? Like was your homework assignment? Thumbs up to Avril. Good job. <laughs> Yeah, see, in case you missed it last week, I gave you all permission to sin. <laughs> it was a grand moment. Uh, I just wanted you to recognize you were going to do it and then tell yourself before you did it, sin is not my master. Then you were free to go on and do it. Um, so anyway, today we're going to answer the questions, so what and now what? Right now we've got all of that back, 
backdrop has been set over the last few weeks, we're going to start to now look at what to do with all of that. And I'm going to give you kind of three words as an outline for you to kind of work your way through this. And maybe three words you can remember uh, as you go through your devotions in a minute. And, And I don't do this very often, but it's all, it's kind of It all starts with the same letter, so here we go. Here's our three words for today. Declare, decide, devote. Declare, decide, devote. Let's say these together. Can everybody say these? Declare, decide, devote. Yes, those are the three. Paul's gonna tell us there's something we need to declare. Um, That is review. Then he's gonna tell us there's something we need to decide. And then there's gonna be something that we have to devote ourselves to. Here we go, Romans chapter six, verse nine. For we know... That since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Makes sense. You only die once. No longer does death have mastery over him. Once you die, you don't ever die again. We talked about you can't tempt dead people. (laughs) You can't get a dead person to be tempted by something. Jesus conquered sin and death, which by the way, death is the result of sin. So here it goes, verse 10. The death that he died... He died to sin once and for all. We talked about that last week. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Christ, only person ever lived the perfect life and then through death broke the power of sin. So now, after giving us this big theological idea that Paul throws out there, he turns the corner and he says, now here's what I need you to do with this. And this is where we left off last week. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now this little word count, the the Greek word that he uses there, it's it's really an accounting term in the way that it's used in all of the other Greek language. It really means to consider, to accept, to believe, to factor in. And we're gonna use the word declare. There, as we move ahead, we try to understand the significance of what happened through Christ's death. The first thing you've got to believe is this, and you need to begin to declare sin is not your master right? The power of sin has been broken through Christ. So there it is. Declare sin is not my master. Like I said, that was review. We talked about that last week. Now listen, the important thing to remember about this is that sin has not disappeared. See, that's where a lot of us get in trouble because it's like, oh, well, if we've conquered sin, sin shouldn't be around to bother me anymore. No, the temptation will still rise up, but the difference is it now no longer has power over you. Then he goes on, since sin is no longer your master, therefore, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Basically, he's saying this. He says, you do realize that when you say yes to sin, when you say yes to those temptations and allow it to reign over you, it's because you let it. It has not forced you. It doesn't have power over you. And once again, he reminds us to think of sin as an entity, right? And this is so important. Let me ask you a question uh, in an effort to move this conversation forward a little bit. Um, When you wrestle with sin or temptation, when that comes up, which side of the argument do you identify with? There's an argument inside of you when temptation presents itself. You know, I shouldn't, but I want to. I shouldn't, but I want to. I know I shouldn't text them. I know I shouldn't buy that. I know I shouldn't say that. I know I shouldn't look at that, but I really want to. There's that internal struggle, that conflict. And when you're in that argument, which side do you identify? Which which, which side is your side? Let, let Let me explain, maybe to clarify the question. When you wrestle sin, 
do you wrestle from the Adam position? That is, well, nobody's perfect, right? I've always struggled with this. My dad had this issue. His dad had this issue. It's just a thing, you know, that's in our family. Nobody's perfect. All people do this. Oh, I'm just young. I'm just, you know, I'm in college. This is what college people do. This is, you know, it just is. This is what people in my profession do. This is the norm, right? That's arguing kind of from the Adam position of it's kind of out of your control, that it just is. And when you argue from that perspective, when that is your mentality, the side you're coming from, the standpoint that sin is who you are, you will lose that argument every single time. Every time. Because you are identifying with somebody that you aren't. You are identifying with that side. And somehow, somehow the goodness and the righteousness of God kind of stands apart from you and is separate from you, and is something you can't quite grasp and attain and, and be good at because you have identified with the sin side of the argument. And it becomes a whole different kind of struggle. And, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week. Next week's an important week. But when you argue from the standpoint of identifying with who you are in Christ, it becomes completely different right? That looks more like this. That is sin trying to rule me, right? That is sin trying to conquer me, trying to still have power over me. And, and if you follow that argument to its conclusion, and I know that sin is followed by death and I've had enough death. I've had enough death in my life. I've had enough death in my marriage, in my, with my kids, with my finances, wherever it is you've experienced death in those areas that you struggle. Why would somebody who is free from sin still continue to walk in it? Or why would I embrace something that I know will hurt me? Why would I do that? And listen, as long as when you're having that conflict and that argument within yourself, as long as you are identifying with who you used to be, you will continue to behave the way that you always used to behave. That's why Paul starts that verse with, therefore, do not let. Because you have a choice. You're the one that's in control. You're the one that decides if you're going to let sin control you, right? So the second word is decide. That's what we're going with. Decide. I will not let sin rule my life. Then he goes on. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness. Now, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. Somebody walking down the street, they look good, you know, goes walking by, sin says, hey, can I borrow your eyes? Sure, you can borrow my eyes. We do this, right? Go ahead. Hey, can I borrow your hands? Sure, you can borrow my hands. I'll do that. Can I borrow your mind? Yep. Hey, I want to borrow your feet. They work over there. You always feel a special kind of way when you walk close to them and say something. Why don't let me borrow your feet and walk you over there? Sure, you sin, you can have my feet. I'll get up and walk over there. Now that may sound weird, but here's what Paul is saying in that verse. Paul is saying, do not loan any part of your physical self to sin any longer. 
That means when you're walking down the street, the response is, no sin, you can't use my eyes. <laughs> These are mine. No, you can't have my thumb, sin. I'm not sending that text. I'm not reaching out to them. Nope, you can't have my feet. I am not going over there to indulge that. No sin, you really can't have my mouth because I know the things that'll come out of it if I give it to you <laughs> will cause trouble. I'm not gonna allow you to bring death to relationships that I have because of what you would cause to spew out of my mouth, right? Then he gives us the alternative. Don't give any part of your physical self to sin, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. When you were in Adam, you were a slave to sin. You didn't have a choice. But now that you're in Christ, it's up to you. People around you, all your life may have been telling you, oh, you have no choice. That's who you are. You're like your dad. You're like your mom. This runs in the family. But no, 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 no. You have the opportunity to live the kind of life where you can offer your body as an instrument to your heavenly father. He says, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness, which brings us to our last D word, devote. Devote your body to God. Now, this is how most of us need to start our day. This is how it is. I know there are important things to do. First thing in the morning when you wake up, right? You need to check your email, check some social media, uh, read a little bit of news, see what's going on, get rolling into the day. But listen, we should really spend the first waking moments of our day getting our brain recalibrated around the idea and the reality of who God is and who we are in him. And listen, some of us need to literally say this as part of our morning devotions. God, I will submit myself and the parts of my body to you today. God, I give you my hands, I give you my eyes, my feet, my mouth, because at some point today, God, I know sin is going to ask me for those things. That is going to happen, and I wanna be able to say, nope, you are not my master and you can't have those things because I have already decided to devote those things to God so they are not yours to have. And so many of us need to start our devotions every morning, our mornings with this, before we do anything else. Declare sin is not my master, decide I will not let it rule my life and devote your body to God. And listen, this has the power. This has the power to change your life. The, the, this is the idea that, that Paul was trying to get when he wrote a letter to the Christians um, in, in uh, Colossians, he writes this. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. <laughs> You're like, okay, that's not very helpful. I've been trying to do that, right? That's just another to-do on a list. Like, I don't think I already don't do all the other to-dos. Just go ahead and add another one I won't do. That's fine. It's just something else to make me feel like a hypocrite because I, you know, say I do these things, but I don't. But he doesn't stop there. He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died. I did? Yeah, you did. And your life is now hidden in, with Christ in God. Okay. <laughs> Whatever all that jibber-jabber means. But then this next phrase that he writes... This next phrase, it caused a light to turn on in my heart, in my mind when I read this. It was just there. He says this, when Christ, and here's the phrase, who is your 
life. Who is your life? And that's it. That is what it comes down to. It comes down to, I can't live the Christian life. The only person who can live the Christian life successfully is Christ. He's the one. And as long as I'm trying to just imitate Christ, of course I am going to fail because I'm not him. Honestly, me trying to imitate Christ on my own looks about as good as me trying to imitate Michael Jordan on the basketball court. (laughs) I may think I'm successful. Everybody watching can't even see the comparison. (laughs) It's just not even close, right? We will fail. And I need to learn how to allow this life, which has been given to me through Christ, to radiate through me. I've got to figure out how to let Christ live through me because I can't live the same way that Christ did. And I'm telling you, this one single thought, this idea of Christ being my life has been a game changer for me. I have not sinned since the day I read that. (laughs) I just can't, I almost kept a straight face. Of course I have. I'm human. (laughs) I'm going to keep. But this has made it a lot better. This idea that it isn't on me, that it's Christ's life who is through me, right? And when we, you know, when what we've been talking about kind of gets out of our head because it's all been real heady and ideas at this point and it becomes a part of our spirit, a part of our natural understanding of how life works, that's when the game starts to change. That's when you read some of this stuff and you kind of clicks with you. It's like, oh, what that really means, and start to get a grasp of what really is going on there. It isn't just how you're supposed to behave. It's about who you are. And that's where there's such a disconnect for so many people because we enter into this whole like, okay, I'm gonna follow Christ now. Now the only difference is, is it was me doing the bad things. Now it's me trying to not do the bad things. And we'll never be successful in that. Because me, either way, fails. It's gotta be who I am in Christ. It's not about trying harder. You can try as hard as you want. You'll never be able to live completely the way that you should live. But the new you, the life that you have in Christ now is something that you have to learn to allow to happen through you. And that takes time. And part of that means waking up every day and saying, of course I can't. Of course I'm gonna fail. I can't, but Christ, you can. It means every time you're tempted, stopping and saying, wait, 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 wait. sin is not my master. So I don't have to let it rain in my mortal body. In fact, I have the freedom to devote my whole self to my new master who has promised to live his life through me. It's a completely different way of viewing the Christian life. So start your day with this. Do it. Declare sin is not my master. Decide I'm not going to let it rule my life. Devote your body to God. Tell him at the beginning of every day, I can't, but you can. I can't, but you can. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, 
I pray that as we work our way towards the end of this series, God, that some of these ideas we've been talking about, that throughout this week, Lord, let us go back and read over these passages and really begin to let it settle into our hearts as to what this actually means. God, that the idea that we can devote our lives and our bodies to you and it is possible for you to live your life through us is huge. That it's not us trying to behave, but it's that you are now our life. God, let the reality of what that is begin to set in. And then be patient with us as that blows our mind and we figure out how to begin to let that happen. Lord, I thank you that your expectation of us is not for us to just all of a sudden be able to do this on our own, but that you are there to help us through it. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, Lord, amen. Now, I wanna end with this. And I don't, I, sometimes I say this, but this time I really mean this. Don't miss next week. Because we are going to look at one of the most pivotal verses in the entire New Testament. And we need to look at the practical aspect of all of this theology that we've been kind of wading our way through the last three weeks. So please, please, please make every effort to be here next week. Have a good one. So